Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Alfredo Fumaças from the Befica Podcast, and you're listening to the Celeste Sound Podcast with Danny Pinto. And we welcome you to episode number 31 of the Celeste Podcast, a proud partner of Portugal.net. My name is Danny Pinto. I am your host. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this uh, latest edition of the pod as you know, we try to uh, to provide uh, more and more content while the Celeste Song is on hiatus. Uh, about a week or so ago, uh, the uh, the matches, the schedule, the tentative schedule, I would I would say, with everything going on, uh, still going on with the pandemic, uh, the tentative schedule uh, was announced uh, for the Nations League tournament. Uh, two games in September, two games in October, two matches in November. Uh, that uh, is, you know, something to look forward to, uh, song-wise. But we uh, definitely want to continue to uh, bring you content and uh, plenty of content to to talk about uh, this week in uh, Liga Noz, uh, specifically with Benfica, as uh, they are now uh, without a manager, as uh, Bruno Lage has resigned his post as Benfica manager, and uh, and uh, a lot of questions, uh, you know, about uh, not only. Uh, what comes next with uh, with uh, with Luis uh, Felipe Vieira, the uh, the president of Benfica? Uh, but what uh, comes uh, comes next for the club as well? And uh, to tell us uh, all about that and to talk about that, we have uh, Alfred Fumasage of the Benfica podcast. Uh, he's going to kind of discuss the fallout of what's been just a disastrous few months uh, for Benfica. Uh, you know, Lage gone, uh, Vieira's future up in the air, um, and, and we'll get his thoughts. Uh, on uh, on the uh, the future of Benfica and what he expects and uh, what every uh, Benfica uh, Benfiquista should expect of uh, uh, of this club uh, both uh, this year and in the future. Uh, of course, again, hit us up on our website. Check us out on our website, slesonpod.com. Uh, please uh, like and share our Facebook page, facebook.com slash slesonpod. We, of course, are on Twitter and Instagram at slesonpod. And you can also email the show, celestonpod at gmail.com. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, what in God's name are you waiting for? We are available on the following platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and pretty much any podcasting platform there is uh, in uh, the land of podcasts. Just uh, hit the uh, the search engine uh, the search portal in whatever podcasting uh, generator you're using. Uh, search the Slesson podcast. And if you're and if you're listening to us uh, via Apple Podcasts and you haven't done so already, if you would please be so kind to give us a five star rating. And if you really want to show us some love, uh, go ahead and leave us a nice review as well. Uh, all that support is uh, free of charge, but uh, helps us out tremendously in getting uh, the uh, the show more exposure to reach out to more and more people all around the world. So 
Uh, my thanks uh, to uh, to you guys for listening, for all the support. And uh, there's and there's not much here to uh, to kind of preview here. Let's get right into it uh, as we uh, we we talk about Benfica Fallout here on episode 31 of the uh, on podcast with our guest Alfred Fumasage of the Benfica podcast. All right, and we get uh, started here on episode 31 of the uh, on podcast. Uh, of course, uh, the big news this week in Portuguese football is the the resignation of Brun Lage from Benfica. And to talk about it is uh, one of the hosts of the Benfica podcast. Uh, you can follow uh, that show at Benfica podcast on Twitter, BenficaPodcast.com. Uh, they are part of Benfica Independent. Uh, and this gentleman uh, that we are about to introduce here will give us uh, all the information on uh, his show and uh, his uh, involvement with uh, Benfica Independent. Uh, it is uh, a pleasure to have Alfred Fumasage from the Benfica podcast, join us right here to talk about the latest and uh, not the greatest of times for uh, for Benfica. Alfred, it's uh, Danny Pinto. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, man. I appreciate uh, the invitation, and obviously, it's uh, it's it's a pleasure to be here. I've I've been following your 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 project since the its inception, uh, and. Uh, I think that my appearance on your podcast has been a long time coming. Uh, certainly, the timing doesn't help, and I wish there was a better time for us Benfiquistas to uh, come and talk Benfica. But here I am, and uh, a real Benfiquista uh, never really hides, never uh, goes into uh, into hibernation or in hiding. You always show your face, and you always show your colors, regardless of the moment of the club. You know what? Uh, I had uh, I had uh, Cristiano Oliveira, one of your uh, your hosts, your co-hosts on the on the podcast uh, about this time last summer. He helped uh, he helped us with uh, with the preview of the the semifinals uh, of the of the Nations League, which uh, Portugal uh, was hosting, and they end up ended up winning. But also talking about Brun Lage's unbelievable uh, second half of his uh, of the Benfica season that brought uh, another trophy, another league title. Uh, to the uh, to the trophy case uh, in Lisboa, uh, your appearance uh, comes almost the exact opposite of where we are with Brun Lage as his time has come to an end. What has the last few weeks, what have they have been like for not only someone who hosts a Benfica podcast, but just as a Benfica fan in general, what have the last few weeks been like for you? Well, I mean, there's certainly been there's a mix of, of emotions and none of them positive. Uh, so that there's been sadness, there's been, uh, frustration, there's been, uh, depression. Um, and it, and it's tough that when you, when you turn on the mics and you have to come and discuss a, a loss to Santa Clara or a, a poor game against a mooted dance or a, a loss, uh, against, uh, against any team, uh, because, Myself growing up, that wasn't the Benfica that I grew up with. Uh, so when you see Benfica uh, playing defense against these clubs that have no business in competing with Benfica, I, it's hard to identify uh, yourself with this team uh, because that's not our DNA. Uh, but certainly uh, has been very trying. And and when we thought we were kind of out of the woods with Rui Vitória leaving uh, and that depressing football uh, that that team played at that time, uh, and then we get a breath of fresh air with Laj, uh, and now we kind of see ourselves uh, and Laj going from hero to villain uh, in just a very short span of time. Um, it's it's difficult. It's definitely difficult, at, both as a fan and as somebody who uh, tries to put out some uh, entertaining product, an entertaining podcast for for Benfiquistas. 
Um, I'm always surprised at how many people turn to our podcast for, for news and for opinion. Uh, and you really, when you turn on those mics and you approach uh, certain subjects, you you kind of, you have to understand that there's people listening to you uh, and people that depend on the information that you give them, both for the entertainment factor, but also for the inform the informative factor of it. So it's 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 kind of like a mindset. It's like well. There's people that depend on our podcast, whether they're listening to it in their commute, uh, at their uh, at their work, uh, on their break. Uh, people depend on that, so we kind of owe it to people to really bring uh, the good, bad, and indifferent about Benfica, regardless of the moment. Yeah, you guys do that uh, every week, and uh, you know, even you know, even during uh, the pandemic when the you know, when everything was kind of very uh, unsettled and unknown as to when the league would start up again, uh, you know, I think you guys maybe took maybe, what, one or two weeks off, and then you guys were back with the latest and the greatest in terms of news and updates from uh, from both the club, the league, and, and what everything, uh, you know, how everything was going to be uh, approached. And, uh, yeah, every Tuesday night uh, during the season, uh, you guys can catch a, a brand-new episode of the Benfica podcast. It's, it is, as a Benfica to myself, it's a, it's a go-to for me, and, and I greatly appreciate what you guys do uh, on that pod. Um, in terms of Brun Lage, obviously uh, he is the he and Luis Felipe Vieira obviously are the are the two big um, you know uh, stories here. But we'll we'll start with Lage. Um, the unbelievable run last season to just an unbelievably disappointing end to to his coaching career with Benfica. Where where or when? Alfred, when when did you think, or when did you start seeing that there were cracks in the in the Brunelage armor as uh, as manager of Benfica? Well, it, we started seeing some things early in a in a preseason, right? So there's that whole speech while uh, Laj was here in stateside, and and particularly in the West Coast, where he was giving interviews to the Portuguese uh, media. Uh, and he kept saying that, you know, we're, we're looking to put together a competitive squad that has two guys per position that can compete with each other. Uh, and at that time, uh, you look at it. Yeah. I mean, this is what we want. They wanted a goalkeeper and not that Vlako Dimush was doing poor, poorly, but they wanted somebody to compete with Vlako Dimush. That never came. Uh, we had a situation with Andre Almeida, um, that, uh, you know, he got hurt. We had, uh, 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 Tavares go on to the right. He's a left back. So right at that time, we, we kind of started seeing some, some cracks and perhaps the, the team that we felt that was deep and talented, especially in the middle of the park, um, was perhaps, uh, deep in, in numbers, but not, not deep in quality in terms of, uh, from the starting lineup to the guys that are on the bench. Um, I thought that the five not, nothing uh, shellacking of Sporting in a Supertasa uh, was encouraging, uh, and I remember Cristiano saying at that time uh, that you know by by Christmas we'll have this wrapped up, and it couldn't be any further from the truth now in <laughs> hindsight. Um, but right off the bat, uh, there was some signs in terms of the way the team was playing. Uh, there wasn't that flow uh, to the team like we saw the previous season. And yes, look. Um, Jean Felix was there, Jonas was there, but it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, think that a player like Felix and, and as extraordinary as he is and, and, and a tremendous talent that he will become down the road, uh, that a guy can make that much of a different difference. Um, and we really, I, I felt at that time that 
the team really started showing uh, some signs and, and, and some weaknesses in terms of the way they played, in terms of the way they possessed the ball, in terms of the way they controlled games. And I really started feeling that things weren't well at that point. Um, but, you know, the first uh, half of the season, we lost only three points. Uh, we had a seven-point lead over over uh, Porto, and we only had lost three points the whole first season. So it's like, okay, well, we're not playing as well as last season, but understanding that we don't have, the, you know, players of the, the caliber of João Felix and, and Janusz, um but still, we're we're winning, and and this looks like it's you know it's going to be in a bag, uh, and then it all took a come December, it all really took a, a a bad bad turn. But there was there was some cracks, there was definitely some cracks there. Uh, I just felt that uh, that Laj would have been able to to turn it around and and kind of steady the ship, but that wasn't uh, that wasn't the case. Uh, and look, I think that there's there's at least three parties here that that I look at for the. Uh, the lack of success that this season uh, will end up uh, bringing, Luis Fleviera being one of them, Laj being the other one, and I got to point some fingers at the team also. You know, um, one of the one of the things that I that I thought heading into this season, um, because you know, uh, you know, Hui Vitoria, you know, it seems like a nice enough guy, uh, but just never never seemed to have the the command and maybe even the respect of of the players, especially towards the end. Um, you know, when, when, uh, when Bruno Lage comes in, uh, you know, uh, you know, late or middle of the, of, of last season, it's a complete turnaround. And what got me excited about the, this upcoming season was if, you know, if they're, you know, they won what, uh, Alfred, like, uh, 18 of 19 games, something like that with, uh, with Bruno Lage last season. Yeah. Something, something like that. So I'm thinking, all right. You, yes, you lose you lose uh, tremendous talent in in Joao Felix uh, in the off season. But what I was excited about was that maybe this was the season that the approach in terms of Europe, especially, was going to change. And I thought a a golden opportunity was wasted early on in the season when uh, I believe it was the third game of the year when they when when Benfica hosted Port. Uh, and you could have given yourself early on after three weeks a six-point cushion to then focus maybe a little more serious in Europe because you know uh, you know group play was going to start uh, soon thereafter. And instead of playing kids like both uh, Tavares, uh, the both Tavares kids and Jota in Champions League, you can play them against the Hiwavs and the and the Belenins and give them the give them their burn. In league games, instead of against you know uh, European competition, and that kind of that was the first part that kind of discouraged me about you know maybe Brunelage is is not the uh, the antithesis of Hui Vitoria, and then you know again the seven point lead heading into the Dragon, a a draw would get would not guarantee, but it it gives you a, a three game cushion in terms of in terms of results. And uh, it went from seven to four to one to now what six points behind and with five matches left. It just the wheels came off after that that fourth game and yeah, it just for me it it's more about approach with Benfica and I think that's where uh, with Luis Felipe Vieira his comments after the after the uh, the uh, the loss um, against Maritim this week rang where it's like maybe my approach isn't working anymore. 
and it's it's going to be a very interesting you know finish to the season, and it's going to be a very interesting lead up uh, to the elections uh, coming up. Is you know is Luis Felipe Vieira going to survive this? Yeah, and and look, uh, I think that we have to go back uh, some time, right? So you got JJ as a coach who's a Taipei personality, a guy that's in in, in he, he, he's entire control. He's in an entire control of every single aspect surrounding this team. Uh, from how many toothpicks get put next to your plate uh, <laughs> to how how short the the grass gets cut, uh, how often the grass gets wet, he's in control of every single aspect. He had a, a stranglehold on this team and the way he wanted this team to go. Um, obviously, there there's a clear intention there from Leif Fiera, uh, whether it was uh, motivated by uh, the talent that he was seeing at Seychelles or whether it was like, well, we're reaching here uh, a critical point in terms of, of uh, Benfica's finances, right? So we can no longer go out and pay the Saviolas of the world, the Aymars of the world, the Garais of the world. We kind of need to create a nice core of players and then look to the Seychelles to fill the gaps. Um, obviously, there was clear gaps on this team. I already mentioned the fact of the right back, but you can't invest $10 million on a, on a decent right back because the resale value is not there. The players that sell are midfield and up. That's where you're going to get your investment back. So from the time that JJ departed or we basically kicked JJ out, there's been a disinvestment on this team. Uh, And whenever we needed pieces, the message was, well, let's look to the Seychelles. Uh, Let's look to see where we can do. And when you're kind of faced with that, and you, you, and I'm not saying that there's no talent in the Seychelles. There's quite a few, some talent, but you can't go into the Champions League with a right back that has not made a senior debut, and and Tomas Tavares. Uh, he hasn't even played for the B team. He hasn't even played for the under twenty three team. And here he is. He played every single Champions League match. Now. When you say these guys may be fine to play against the Monkus, as Cristiano likes to to mention, (laughs) of the rest of the league, um, but now you're playing a Champions League. These these guys are are, are competitors. These guys are guys that step up in the world stage, and they're serious. These kids have no idea what they got themselves into as they're standing there facing the crowd listening to the Champions League anthem. There's no experience. Uh, there's, there's, and then when you lose players and leadership like Louison, that could kind of like smooth out things and, and calm kids down and, and, and motivate them. Uh, then now you're left in a, in a position where you, you're fragile and Benfica, that's what Benfica was throughout Champions League qualifying was, was very fragile. So uh, just to rein it back in that approach from Luis Felipe Vieira, uh, and whether or not it was because he wanted to get the finances where they are, and I thank him for that, and I think that every Benfica should thank him for getting the club back into financial health, uh, that is not the approach that you want to have in Europe. Um, you look at the teams that do well in Europe, and they all have players that could play at the world stage. You look at this Benfica team, uh, whether it's the the 11, whether it's 12, whether it's 16, there's only a few players that could play 
at a world stage or one of the top five leagues in the world. Uh, and when you look and you, and you make that conclusion, your performance in the Champions League should be acceptable for what you have. It shouldn't come as a surprise uh, for what you have. So, yes, it, 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 I think it, it falls on Luis Fiera, and I think that he's kind of wearing down his credits in terms of what he's been able to do is 12 or 18 years, whatever he's been uh, in power for. Uh, he's kind of worn down that credit where uh, – he did great. Seychelles is a great uh, infrastructure, great monument to uh, Benfica culture, Stadio uh, Luge, this and that. Uh, but, you know, fans want glory. What feeds the fans' fire are wins. And it, it's not the wins against the Nacionais of the world or the Maritimes of the world or the Murenenses of the world. It's on the world stage, right? And especially for for us uh, immigrants that that live outside of Portugal, right? Um, so we have buddies, all whether it's at work, whether it's buddies that we play soccer uh, with, uh, that are from other countries, uh, and we have a lot of pride in our teams. And when our team goes into in Euro into Europe and is embarrassed uh, by the Basels of of this world and and coming out of Champions League with with barely any points. It's it's embarrassing, right? So imagine, uh, imagine the guys also in Portugal that I used to go into Stade de Luz on a Wednesday or a Tuesday night to experience those those famous European football nights, and all of a sudden, this team is mediocre at best in a Champions League in a group that we had every chance to, uh, or we had every every right to to come out of. Uh, so so yeah, it, it, it's it's become. And sorry about the the long winded answer. No, 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 uh, please. Thing. This is this is awesome. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's become something that now it, you know the patience is is wearing thin. And while there was already a faction of fans uh, that felt that Luis Flivier has overstayed uh, his welcome, uh, the other guys that were on on the fence. Uh, and I can probably consider myself a, as somebody that was on a fence. Now, all of a sudden, you're jumping to the other side. Uh, and you're saying, well, th there's got to be more to this club than just finances. That, there's got to be more to this club than having 100 players on the payroll or buying five or six players that will never wear your shirt unless you're being presented in, in front of the giant uh, Eusebio jersey in one of the conference, conference rooms at Stade <laughs> Lelouch. Um, I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's not all about business. It, there's got to be some sporting success. It can't all be, oh, yeah, you know, we, we reduced our, our debt greatly. Hey, that's great. As a manager and as somebody that runs a business, because Benfica has that business side, that is your job. You need to uh, make this team uh, or make this club profitable. You you need to bring financial health to this, to this club. But that financial health will only get get you so much if you don't have the sporting success. How is a team like Fly Emirates supposed to uh, invest in you uh, or be the main sponsor on your jersey when you're a team that that that's the Astana of the of the Champions League that you go in and everybody beats up on and thank you for very much for coming. Uh, eight, eight, and and here's and here's your check, uh, you know for exactly yeah, and that's but, and that's the thing that's been I think. The most frustrating is, you know, you qualify for Europe for what? 
for for money. That's it. And then what do you that's do with it. that? You know, and that's that's been the frustrating part for for me the last few years, and for obviously uh, you know for you and for Chris and and, and for Dave for, and, and and everybody who who follows the team. There, it, it's there. It's almost like they have been disrespectfully transparent in terms of what they what what they think of Europe, uh, especially Champions League, because they don't start ratcheting it ratcheting it up uh, until maybe they are in Europa and you know and then a couple of years ago where they finished last in in their in their group um don't even get further uh European football. So that's that's for me the as you mentioned the, the yeah. sporting part of this part is is the most frustrating because everything else is kind of fallen into place uh you know if, you know financially uh, you know as you mentioned uh, Luchvi Vieira has done uh, a wonderful job of getting Benfica back in although you know budget issues uh, last week uh, are uh, are creeping up, but for the most part, that part he's been sound. It's been the, it's been the focus on a Liga, a Liga, a Liga, and you know we'll take the Champions League uh, check. That's been uh, that that re- that response to to the sporting part of things uh, has been a little frustrating for sure. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, just think of the approach, and and without even looking, uh, if you go in and look at every uh, eleven that Benfica lined up in the Champions League. Uh, you look at players, established players like Pizzi, who is a national team player, uh, or any other player that's that's been established, that's been around, uh, and all of a sudden you're playing younger players above these players that get up to be at this level. Uh, so, you know, what is the thought process of 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 lining up with with a team that's uh, uh, that that average of ages is 23 years old in in a Champions League, whether it was this year or last year. What what's the thought process behind it? Are are you using the Champions League as kind of a storefront to uh, to to push the the Tomas Tavares to, to push the the Nun Tavares uh, of the world to push the Ferros of of Benfica uh, to see if if you could get your your next check, or is it to really honor? Uh, the reputation and the history of the club by representing not only the club but re- representing Portugal in the European, not only European stage but also uh, in a world stage. When you embarrass yourself in a Champions League and there's an Asian investor that wants to spend big time money on your club, he's not going to want to uh, invest on a club that came out of the Champions League with two points. You know, it, it just it damages it damages your chances of of um, foreign advertising because we all know that Benfica brand in Portugal is very strong, and any any firm or any company would be happy to partner up with uh, Benfica because they know the level of exposure that's going to bring them. But when it comes to foreign investment, uh, and you have these poor performances, Champions League, there's going to be guys thinking twice. Um, about whether to invest on on your team or not. Uh, not to mention the, the the scandals, but that's that's a, a subject for an, another day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look, this yes, the financial health is great, but at some point, that financial health should lead you to have competitive teams so you could compete in Europe. And I'm not saying that Benfica should be a European champion, but Benfica should be coming out of the group stage. Every single time with regularity, and they don't, and they haven't in quite some time. 
We're talking with the uh, a very passionate Alfred Fumasage uh, here on episode number 31 of the Slesson Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Pinto. Uh, Alfred is one of the hosts of the Benfica Podcast. You can find that podcast on Twitter, uh, at Benfica Podcast, uh, on iTunes, um, and anywhere you guys uh, are listening to uh, podcasts. Uh, go to BenficaPodcast.com and also uh, check out uh, everything going on at uh, Benfica Independent. Um, so... Lodge is out. Uh, we now have the caretaker for the for the next uh, five games and and the final, um, yeah, the Tasa final in uh, in August, which was announced today that it's uh, going to be played uh, in Coimbra. Uh, but uh, Nelson uh, Verissimo is uh, going to be taking over. Uh, he was one of uh, Brun Lodge's assistants. Uh, not much, n- not much known about uh, uh, Verissimo. Uh, not much known of what kind of uh, team. Uh, Benfica will be with him at uh, at the helm for these at the very least next five matches and the and the final. What do you, Alfred, as a as a fan uh, of this team, what what are you looking for at, at, at the end of this season with these last five games in this final? What are you hoping to see? What are you expecting to see uh, from the uh, from this Benfica team? Look, I, it's very simple. What I expect uh, is uh, for the players to respect the club and put out a, a, a decent performance uh, that's conducive to the club they represent and the shirt that they wear. That is what I'm expecting. Uh, the damage has already been done, and it's, it's too late uh, to repair that damage. So I'm hoping, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see, uh, that this team – uh, and I think that the players had a lot to do with uh, with Lage's firing. Uh, I'm 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 very curious as to how this team is going to react because if this team can now all of a sudden turn it on, right, and they could put on a decent performance that we haven't seen, well, since this, since January, you could say that. Um, now all of a sudden, uh, you know, I have a bone to pick with this team, and I suspect that that some of the pillars in that locker room were some of the guys that had a lot to do with Lajes firing. Uh, but uh, you know, not a lot of people know a lot about uh, about Verissim, but Verissim um, has been uh, with Benfica for quite some time. His history goes back uh, as a as a player in the in the youth teams. Um, he, I think he, play, I think Dave mentioned yesterday on our podcast that he, he played, uh, for the main team once or, or twice. Then he had some stints at Alverca, uh, Academica, Fatima, but he's a guy that, uh, has been, uh, with the Benfica structure for quite some time. He was there the first time that Laj was there, uh, remained there. And now when Laj came and, and took over the, the B team, uh, last year, he was asked to be in Laj's, uh, technical team. So, uh, contrary to what a lot of people may think that he's he's always been a part of Laj's uh, technical team, he is not. Uh, so I think that right now, I, I don't think that a lot of fans uh, expect much from from Verissimo. Uh, certainly is a guy that that knows the house um, and he, he knows what's what's expected of him. Uh, so for me, it's very simple. Just a, an attitude and some playing that's conducive to the club's history, the club's DNA, and what the fans have come to expect from from a club and, and from players that wear that jersey. No, so let, let's go ahead and, and make the wild assumption that he won't be the coach next year. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, let's let's go ahead and, and talk about some of the names that have been that have been reported to either be interested in the job or Benfica has interest in them. Uh, and and let me get your thoughts. Uh, we'll do a quick rapid fire and then we'll and then we'll get a a, a serious conversation on some of these candidates. But um, maybe I should be asking uh, Christian this this first one. Uh, bringing bringing JJ back. What are your thoughts on that? No, <laughs> Cristiano, Cristiano has has the opposite opinion of me, and and the reason the the way Cristiano looks at it is like he's the only coach that in the past I guess you could say twenty years that has put Benfica playing the way Benficistas like to watch Benfica playing, and regardless of of his level of of uh, in success uh, in a couple seasons there during his reign, he was a guy that turned everything around. He was the guy that that. Put Benfica winning titles, uh, uh, not one every seven or eight or ten years, but consistent titles. So, uh, unlike Cristiano, I don't want JJ back because I think that um, there were there were some things that that were said after JJ left, and and I I do realize and I admit that we pushed him out. Uh, had we not pushed him out, he was probably he would probably be still at Benfica. But there were some things that were said uh, by him in the media. That were disrespectful to the club, uh, so I, I'm kind of I still got a, a bone stuck in in my throat because of that much like many 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 Benfiquistas. And for me, um, I I'm not the type of guy uh, that will subscribe to the ideology of winning at any cost. Uh, right, Benfica has its DNA, has its makeup, has its history, and Benfica has never been about winning at any cost. Unlike uh, our rivals up north, uh, so I, I'm I'm against it. And there's there's really uh, yes, the the man has a track record, but there's no really there's no proof that his second stint at Benfica is going to be as successful as the first stint. Not to mention that he has all the leverage against Luis Fiera, so he could demand for whatever he wants. Absolutely, uh, one of the names that uh, was was bandied about. I never thought it was a, a serious uh, consideration, but, I mean, I got excited as a, as a Spurs fan myself. Uh, but Mauricio Pochettino uh, apparently uh, not uh, not excited about the plan that uh, uh, current president Luis Felipe Vieta has uh, for, uh, for Benfica, so he's out. Uh, another gentleman who has some uh, Premier League uh, experience, um, uh, the Spaniard uh, Unai Emery, uh, last uh, last coached Arsenal, obviously uh, defeated Benfica in the, the Europa League final uh, a few years back uh, as a manager of Sevilla. He is currently available. Uh, Luciano Spalletti, who uh, was the uh, who was a former Inter uh, Milan manager, he is currently without a club. And then you have uh, some Portuguese managers, uh, Mark Silva, who uh, is currently available. Uh, Alfred, you're gonna have to help me if I if I uh, screw up his uh, his last name here. Uh, Carlos uh, Carvalhal. Did I say that? Okay. Yep. Oh, there we go. Yep. He's cur- he's currently at Hiwaf, correct? Yeah. And then uh, and then uh, Luis Castro, who uh, just won uh, the Ukrainian league uh, with Shakhtar after uh, uh, taking over uh, for Paul Fonseca, uh, who uh, went to Roma. But these are some of the names for me. Uh, Alfredo, uh, JJ, and Pochettino were names that I thought. Um, we're going to be reaches. Everybody else that I've mentioned, I think are at the very least, uh, I think they're possibilities. And, and please add any name that you, that you think that I, I, you know, that I've missed that you think may, uh, may, uh, be considered for, for the job here. But of the names that I've put 
uh, out uh, out here for you for consideration. Is there any name that you're like, that's the guy that should be uh, that should be the next Benfica uh, manager? Certainly, uh, Pochettino would have would have done uh, you know would have satisfied a lot of people. But you know, when you take a step back and and regardless of what project is presented to him. Um, He's a guy that has tremendous market, not only in Europe, but other country, but other countries throughout Europe uh, and all the top five leagues. So I never thought that his, his, his thing was realistic. Uh, the Emery one, you know, that was that would probably be like a second choice uh, behind Pochettino. But uh, again, we don't know what project is being presented. We don't know what timing is being presented in terms of when do we want or when we want you to take over the team. There's no coach in their right mind that's going to take over the team right now. No. There's, uh, and and if, if there was any coach that did that, then right off the bat, I'm doubting uh, this coach's intentions. Um, so – uh, and then you got you got the, the Portuguese Armada, and, and, and certainly Portugal has, has produced quite a quite a few good coaches in the past uh, ten years. Uh, Paul Fonseca would have been uh, probably my, my my third choice, but he's wrapped up in Roma, and he's he's having a degree of success there, and it seems like they like him over there. Leonardo Jardim would have been uh, my other guy. Uh, Mark Silva, uh, not too keen on him. I would probably take um, Luis Castro over Mark Silva. Uh, then you got guys that are in Portugal right now. We've Vieira uh, seems like a guy that that's interesting. Uh, also, uh, you got Vitor Pereira also. Uh, that was a guy that, that that was very interesting, albeit uh, there's some some close ties there to Port. Andre Villas Boas, I think his name might have been mentioned uh, a few times, but I you know I don't I think that he's already publicly said that that he would never coach. Uh, Benfica, or you would never coach another uh, team in Portugal besides Porto. So there's a there's a a, a couple guys certainly, uh, but we all have to. What we need to 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 take uh, really a good look at is how is this being presented. Um, and I think that money really isn't an issue for Benfica in terms of paying coaches because uh, if Sporting was able to pay JJ five million and now they're paying good good coin to uh, Amuri, I don't think Benfica. Would uh, would shy away from from paying a coach if they felt that there was the right choice and it was good, they were going to bring him success, um, but I think it's 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 the project it's the project itself. Uh, are you going to push on this guy that says, um, well, I'm, I'm going to give you um, forty million uh, to buy uh, two or three players that that you want, uh, and the rest you're going to have to look to Seychelles. There's there's no coach. A reputable culture in the right mind that it's going to accept those conditions. So we have to look at what project is being is being presented to these coaches. Uh, what kind of control are are they going to be to be given? What kind of autonomy they're going to be given to to really lead this team? And I think that perhaps uh, Luis Felipe Vieira is is too hell bent on getting JJ back. Uh, and perhaps is not really taking a step back and looking at what profile coach would fit Benfica right now, uh, not to uh, make full use of the Seychelles, but to bring Benfica uh, back to a consistent level that could show a good image in Europe. We're talking with Alfred Fumasage of the Benfica podcast as we are uh, talking about uh, the dismissal of Brunelage and uh, you know Luis Felipe Vieira, his role in 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 what comes next. 
uh, for Benfica and, of course, uh, some of the names that have been bandied about as possibilities for the next uh, for the next Benfica manager. Um, I, I will I'll pose this question, and I I don't think it's a it's a fair one, but I'll ask you anyway to see if if you can kind of see where I'm coming from. Do you think that the whoever gets hired or whoever whoever is the next manager for Benfica without knowing what has been presented to him but on the surface do you think that the hire will automatically give you an idea of the direction and uh the approach that Benfica decides to take on next in terms of league Europe uh the, the whole uh the whole on the field scene no, look, I, I think that right off the bat, uh, by looking at the guy's personality, you could tell where he's going to take this team, right? So you you look at, at, at Rui Vitória, softy. You look at Brunelage, softy. Uh, or you could even look at them and say, yes, men. Yes, men through and through. You look at JJ, a guy with strong personality uh, that wants complete control of the locker room. Now, you, you you know you're geared up for something else. Uh, so it, it really depends on uh, the type of personality of coach that you bring. And then I think that very early on uh, with the preparation for the season and what kind of acquisitions you make, because Benfica will definitely need to go to the market uh, because they're – I think half of this roster is is either uh, not not good enough to play for this Benfica team, or still need to go get put back in the oven to cook a little bit more to get a little bit more experience. Um, so it's going to depend a lot on on the moves that are done by the coach in terms of uh, the acquisitions that he makes, uh, the style of play, uh, and I think that right off the bat, the approach to to Europe uh, is going to be a, a huge. Uh, a sign as to how successful this coach is going to be. Uh, Luis Felipe Vieira, obviously uh, a a huge, you know, he casts a huge shadow right now uh, with with Benfica, and um, he's under a lot of pressure. He's under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, it has not been a good few months for for him as as president. Uh, on top of on top of Benfica losing their losing the lead, and now for all intents and purposes being out. Of uh, of consideration for the league title, uh, there were the budget issues that uh, were reported last uh, late last week. Um, he he took over the press conference after the Maritum game and said that he needed to discuss his future with his family. Um, uh, will Luis Felipe Vieira be the president of this club once the elections are held in what in in August? October. October. Do you think he'll still be the president if he if he wants to be if he wants to go forward? Do you think he is going to be the president of this club uh, come October? Well, that whole move of uh, uh, well, I, I got to go talk to my family. Is this the classic? Uh, I'm going to take my ball and 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 go home uh, type of attitude. Uh, it's it's very uh, it's very uh, petulant on on his part uh, to act like that. He certainly has exposed himself um, to to the opposition. And, and while in, in previous years there was never really uh, somebody that would run up against them because they just felt they just felt they didn't have a chance. It seems that the the opposition has grown stronger and stronger. And now we see 
uh, what uh, at least three candidates uh, that are are looking to to run against them. Um, in my opinion, there's still uh, there's yet to to come uh, a group of individuals or or an individual that you could say yes, this guy could be a viable alternative. Um, we talk about Rui Gomes da Silva as being perhaps the closest thing to that. But Rui Gomes da Silva spent a lot of time uh, with Luis Fivier in the same directive. And a lot of people feel that uh, uh, Rui Gomes da Silva is going to be uh, more of the same. Uh, now, from my sources uh, and from some inside information. Here we go, there, folks. This is what <laughs> I've been waiting for. Here we go. <laughs> there is a, a, a credible uh, candidate. Uh, right now being uh, put together in terms of the group of people that are going to run with him against Luis Felipe Vieira. Uh, at this time, I can't divulge the, the name of who it is because everything is very secretive, but there's very illustrious Benfiquistas uh, being pulled uh, together to see what kind of support they could give uh, this candidate. So, the best candidate we have yet to see, but I have a feeling that if Luis Felipe Vieira does not make the right coaching appointment, uh, an appointment that's going to be unanimous through, throughout the Benfica nation, that every Benfica is going to look and say, yeah, this, this is a guy. We cannot go wrong. Uh, he's going to leave himself exposed to somebody coming in. Uh, and, and be a credible threat to him. Now, there's all kinds of things that, that are that are wrong with the the, the election process um, with Benfica. And, and for those of you that don't know, um, if you're a, a socio or a paying member of the club for so many years, you get X amount of votes. Uh, all the the casas, meaning the Benfica houses spread out throughout the world, they have 50 votes. A piece. So, guess who the Casas are going to be supporting? They're going to be supporting the guy that's been supporting them throughout their existence. So, those votes are, are going to Luis Fiera. So, th this is the, the biggest thing right now in terms of uh, a, a fair and democratic election within Benfica is that Luis Fiera, uh halfway through his presidency, he's, he changed the, the, the statues. Uh, and the, the rules of the club in terms of elections. And he kind of made that in his favor. Uh, so we got that. So in order for somebody to beat him, they will have to beat him very, very hard. I mean, I mean in order for them to, to overcome him and uh, in, in, uh, in the votes. Uh, but I think it's possible. And as long as there's a, a credible um, and viable Alternative to Luis Fleet I think that Benfica Easters are chomping at the bit to jump on board with whoever that guy is. Uh, and right now, Rui Gomes da Silva and, and Bruno uh, Carvalho, uh, and the, there's another guy that's uh, is he's got a nickname of Arrumadinho. Um, I think those guys are, are, are not yet credible, uh, viable alternatives for Luis Fleet So that's the million dollar question. Uh, and the biggest thing with the budget also, that budget that budget gets passed 10 times out of 10 times. There was nothing wrong with the budget. Nothing, absolutely nothing wrong. What happened was the Saucius, they wanted to send a message. 
So they went out and and voted. I think there was 1,500 people that went out and voted, and they voted against uh, in a clear sign of this uh, dissatisfaction with Luis Fleet and with this directive. It wasn't because there was anything wrong with the budget. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the budget. Uh, but it was the, the fans wanted to show a clear uh, message to the president and to the directive uh, that his leadership is in question. So that was the biggest thing within this within this budget. But that is the million dollar question, and I certainly hope that there's a there's a, a viable and and credible alternative uh, that can uh, now usher uh, Benfica into the to the next uh, to the next level, uh, which I hope it's uh, European and 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 world. Uh, fame as the team has had uh, once before. Well, I, I know you don't want to divulge, uh, you know, any of your sources or anything like that. But please tell Chris, you know, that he has my full support uh, for, <laughs> for 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 president of of Benfica. <laughs> of Benfica. Uh, uh, as we finish up here with uh, with Alfred Fumasa of the Benfica podcast, uh, and Alfred, thank you so much for 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 talking to us and and being so passionate uh, about uh, about this club uh, that we both love. Um, Another thing that we both share and, and we have a, an affinity for is this medium, uh, this podcasting medium. And when I when I started this uh, this podcast a little over two years ago, it was shows like yours and it was coverage like Tom Cundert's over at Portugal.net and other and other folks uh, around uh, around the states and in Canada and and in uh, and in Europe uh, that uh, inspired me to do to do this. And and I'm always interested in in finding out what was the the nexus. Uh, for for your for for you starting uh, Benfica, the Benfica podcast and your work with Benfica Independent, uh, can you take uh, take me back to when this uh, this became a want a a passion for you to do and uh, and how you've seen it grow uh, since the beginning? Well, I, I've been a, a Benfica fan and supporter for as long as I I can remember. Um, back in 2012. Or, or even before 2010, I was writing a blog, and the blog just uh, was comprised of uh, match recaps and match previews, and it was just something, uh, a bit of a, a hobby that I didn't think anybody uh, was going to be paying attention to it. And and that there's a, there's a, a famous Portuguese exception uh, or expression uh, that is falar uh, para that means then when you're talking and nobody's listening. <laughs> so that literally translates into talking to the doll. So when I first started the blog, I said, well, I don't think anybody's going to be paying any attention. And a lot of it I, I kind of wrote as as some therapy sessions and the excitement to to see the team playing. So I started writing that. But that then, then it almost started being a chore for me. And, and I said, well, there's got to be another way uh and at the time there was some podcasts that were there were they were around i remember tom kundert's uh podcast which they weren't they weren't coming out with regularity but i really enjoyed the format uh and i was like well let me let me give my a shot at this and and i can tell you that the first podcasts uh it would uh it would take me at least three four hours to record because i would record them in segments and as i recorded them i listened back and there was always something I didn't like, whether it's uh, my pronunciation or or some stutter here or an um there. And I would always end up recording it again. Uh, and it used to take me four hours. And then after that, I just said, no more of this. So I got buddies involved and it, it turned into a, 
kind of a conversational format. And it's really uh, grown behind, uh, beyond our, my, my wildest dreams um, because I never really uh, went into it to, to, uh, to get views or to get listens or to get downloads. It was just something that I, I enjoyed doing, talking to uh, friends and, and about Benfica. And it's really, you know, throughout the years, the amount of support and, and outpouring and the friendships that we have created as a result of creating this, this community around the podcast has been very rewarding. Uh, and, uh, and I'm very grateful for all the fans and for the people, uh, that listen to it. So then it, it, it turned into something a little bit more serious that, you know, now I know that people are listening. We, we, these people deserve our honest opinion. Uh, they deserve a, a non-nonsense uh, talk and and just just speaking the truth with passion, but even keeled, presenting different uh, ideas and different opinions. And it that's what kind of rolled into. So the podcast started in 2012. Uh, we just hit our 370 uh, 70th episode uh, this um, this past Tuesday. Um, and we just been one of those projects that's been out there. We, we, I remember if I remember correctly, we were probably, no, not probably. We were the first podcast about Benfica, uh, in English or Portuguese. Wow. Uh, so then more people started coming on, uh, Benfica FM, uh, were the guys that, that were doing it in, in Portugal. Uh, we became great friends with those guys from from uh, giving people advice or, or telling them, well, this is how you do it. This is the equipment that I'm using. You know, just exchanging ideas. Uh, and the idea came from, uh, so it was it was us, it was Benfica FM, and it was uh, Sergio Engracia, which had Conversas a Benfica, which was a YouTube show in which he had a guest every single week. Uh, so we, we kind of got together and said, well, we kind of we, we really need to to put something together, and the idea of Benfica Independent uh, came about. Uh, so really, Benfica Independent is just is what it is is independent Benfica. It's 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 a bunch of guys uh, and and gals also that that write and produce content, whether it's podcast, whether it's articles of opinion, game recaps. Uh, we have podcasts in 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 in, uh, in French. We have podcasts in Portuguese. Uh, in English, obviously, uh, articles in, in German also. So we wanted to create this place where fans could come uh, and, and really enjoy the content, uh, which is truly independent. Uh, there was There's absolutely no interference from uh, the club in our project, and that's how we want it to be, because we want it to be independent. We don't per se, have an agenda. And the agenda that we have is we want to offer independent opinion. We want to offer different opinion and then really challenge folks to think for themselves. And hey, if you want to line up with this person's opinion or if you see yourself in this person's uh, uh, you know, uh, direction for the club, then by all means, uh, come and, and, and follow this person, enjoy their articles. But really, we don't have an agenda. We don't have an agenda against the club. All we really want is what's best for the club. And we want the club to be the best that it can be according to their history, uh, according to the DNA of the club, and according to everything that you feel as being a Benfiquista. And sometimes it's hard to explain, uh, but as fans from other clubs, I'm sure they have the same feeling. But you want to have a sense of pride 
in your in your club. Uh, you want to uh, get up on a Sunday morning and feel the excitement that your your club plays in a few hours, and you're gonna get to watch them. You want to have that feeling, and I think that when you let the club being uh, be hijacked by people with their own agendas, with their own personal interests, uh, with only the financial gains in mind, it takes away and it, it dilutes the values of the club. And that's what we want. We want the club to be uh, at the height of its history, at the height of its reputation. And we want, we, all we want is just like Glorioso. We want glory for the club. Yeah, and it's it's something that uh, for me it, it it you can hear it in your in in the way that you guys do your podcast. It, you can hear it in this interview how how passionate you are uh, for 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 the club. Uh, it's it's something that exudes uh, in in your product, and it's it's something that um, th- there's an authenticity to that, and and that and that's something that is is to be commended um, in, in in doing in doing projects like this. What what has been because of the podcast, because of your involvement uh, with 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 these uh, with these projects and and, and with these uh, relationships that you've cultivated uh, over the last almost decade now, what has been the coolest experience that you have uh, that you have uh, experienced due to the podcast, due to Benfica Independent and, and the relationships that you you guys have uh, have cultivated? Well, you know. Certainly, there, there's different degrees of of, of satisfaction and, and you know little little uh, marquee moments, if you will. Uh, certainly, uh, myself making an appearance on on, on BTV on Uma Semana do Melhor with uh, João Gonçalves, uh, João Martins, and uh, João Tomás was certainly a highlight. Uh, being able to uh, Chris, for example, he was with the team uh, two years ago when they were here in ICC, traveled with the team. He's part of the entourage. Uh, certainly those have, have been great. Uh, but I think that uh, there, there's a lot to be said about the community that we created, the friends that we, we have made, uh, you know, and some of them are, are, are friendships for life that if it hadn't been for Benfica or even Benfica podcast, we probably would have never uh, met these people. Uh, I mean, friends in, in Canada, friends in England, uh, friends in South Africa, friends in, in Australia. I mean, these are, are now uh, lifetime uh, friendships that I, I, will, I would have never would have had the, the pleasure and the privilege to, to have had had it not for, for the podcast. So to me, uh, and, and I don't mean to get a little sappy and sentimental about do it, it, but do it. To, to me is, is, is prob- probably the, the, the biggest thing for me uh, is this, uh, is just having that culture. Because I remember w- Chris and I were, were, were in Portugal um, and we, we went to the Seychelles and, and we met with, with CJ Santos, which is a, a keeper that we, we have good relationship. He's with the, with the Benfica's B team in U23. And uh, kid even, out of, he's, he's a kid out of Philly, right? Yeah, he's yeah, a kid yeah. out of Philly. Uh, that uh, and that that came after my uh, my interview uh, on BTV. And Chris and I were were driving away from from Lisbon, and uh, and Chris was like, "How cool was that?" 
and I'm and I'm thinking and and yeah, that was that was extremely cool to be able to be interviewed by by the by the club's TV and to be recognized. That was one of the the long enduring projects about Benfica uh, in uh, in America and and throughout you know many English speaking countries. I I thought that you know that was cool, but the friendships that I've made and you know, the, the congratulations and the words of support and the words of encouragement from the fans and, and guys that tell me, hey, I listen to you guys every every uh, every Wednesday morning on my way to work or uh, when I'm working and doing inventory, I listen to you guys. That, to me, is probably more impactful uh, than being on Benfica TV. And perhaps maybe that's that's my personality because I've never been a very flashy guy unlike uh, Cristiano. Cristiano is more of a of an attention seeker than I am. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, we complement each other fine because he's that type and I'm more of an, uh, of an introvert and we complement each other well in, in that manner. Uh, but uh, believe it or not, being on Befica TV and albeit, you know, my dad got to watch me on Befica TV in his, in his dining room or his living room in Portugal. Uh, and and for a while he was walking around with his with his phone and showing all his friends <laughs> that's my, awesome. me on on YouTube. Uh, certainly that that was something that was a height uh, of it. But but you can't compare that to the sac- satisfaction that I have gotten uh, from meeting so many people and for striking so many uh, friendships. Well, Alfredo, I, I could honestly, man, I could talk to you for another two three hours, man. It's it's been such a pleasure to have you on, to finally get you on. Uh, again, I, I gave I gave Chris the easy one last summer when when you know everything was going good and everything was hunky dory in in, in the land of Benfica. You came in with it. foi mais pesado hoje, man. It was <laughs> this was tougher for you, man. But uh, but you uh, it was it was an absolute pleasure to get you on to to hear the 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 level headed, calm approach uh, to to what it is to be a a, a Benfiquista and and to see. And to want what's best for the club, and uh, it's uh, it's been great to have you on. Uh, you can uh, again follow the show uh, Benfica Podcast on Twitter uh, at Benfica Podcast, BenficaPodcast dot com, and of course uh, check out uh, Benfica Independent. Uh, Alfredo uh, Momig, thank you so much for uh, for your time, and I can't wait to have you on again. Yeah, just 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 real quick, and 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 Chris will will kill me. He told me to give him a shout. So I want to give my two Oliveras, both uh, Dave the Oliveira and, and Chris Oliveira, a big shout there. Without them, uh, the show wouldn't be as successful as it is. And I thank them for, for being uh, part of it. And also Steve Santos was a big part of the show uh, and all the support from the fans, man. We, we really uh, appreciate it. And uh, I'm never uh, too far from, from uh, being able to give uh, an opinion or an advice to anyone uh, just reach out to me on DMs or, or, or email. Or I'm always willing to talk Benfica and always to give advice and and uh, thank you and a big uh, a big salute to uh, all the fans, not only of your podcast but also of mine that are listening to this now. And, and to you, Danny, uh, congratulations. I think this is this is really a, an important uh, uh, podcast and an important project for especially for. For the the foreign community, if you will, or the expats, um, because uh, you know the the seleção has has gathered 
so much momentum in these past years that you really needed a project like this uh, to talk about this lesson, especially for us immigrants that have so much pride uh, in being Portuguese, whether or not we were born in Portugal or we just picked up uh, soccer from from our, our father listening to the relato in, in a kitchen every Sunday and going oh, yeah. nuts. Uh, you know, so I, I know what that's all about because that's where I came from also. Um, but this is this is a great project and I think it's been a long time coming and you do a, an excellent job uh, along with your partnership with Portugal and, and Tom Kundert. I had a chance to meet Tom Kundert, an excellent guy. Nathan Moss, uh, the rest of the rest of the gang that that uh, that's part of that that project, which is also another great project for for the immigrant community that's outside of Portugal. So congratulations, man, and and uh, the wishes of, of great success uh, in the many, many coming episodes. I appreciate that, man. You know, and 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 in an ode to you, uh, follow Christian on Twitter at uh, ten co ten, and I have the I, I have it in front of me. So you always get stuck on Dave, and I feel so bad for him all the time. Uh, <laughs> you can follow Dave D Oliveira at eighty seven D O eighty seven. Alfred, you're the best man. Uh, all, all the best to you and yours. Uh, stay safe in uh, in these crazy times, and uh, we will see what happens with Benfica in the next uh, weeks and months. But uh, but great to have you on. Thanks, Danny, man. And our thanks once again to Alfred Fumasage of the Benfica Podcast for breaking it down uh, very thoroughly, very uh, even keel. Uh, you know, Benfica right now, a, a disaster for all intents and purposes. Um, but uh, but the passion that Alfredo was, uh, w- was bringing uh, to this episode and what he and, and, uh, and Cristiano Oliveira and, and Dave de Oliveira uh, do and bring uh, on the Befica podcast every uh, every Tuesday night uh, is something that uh, all podcasts, especially what we're trying to do in, in promoting uh, Portuguese soccer uh, via the English platform, um, you know, just it's it's a it's a testament to uh, to them and and uh, and my thanks for uh, for Alfredo for making uh, making some time for us. Uh, again, follow uh, follow the Befica podcast at Befica podcast on Twitter, BefecaPodcast.com. And uh, make sure you uh, you take a look at everything going on with Benfica Independent. Uh, that will do it for us on episode number 31 of the Slesson Podcast. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough for tuning in once again. Remember, go to our website, SlesonPod.com, Facebook.com slash SlesonPod, on Twitter and on Instagram, at SlesonPod. Email the show, SlesonPod at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on any platform uh, that you're listening to. Uh, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please, five-star rating and a short positive uh, review uh, on Apple Podcasts would be greatly, greatly appreciated. My name is Danny Pinto. I have been your host of episode 31 of the Slesson Podcast, a proud partner of Portugal.net. And as always, Forza Portugal!